Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about Saturday's game. Of course, Wisconsin wins in a blowout over New Mexico State. Really, if, if you follow this team, there was plenty to take from this game, but it was New Mexico State. It was a very inferior opponent. Wisconsin came out and took care of business, did what they needed to do in this contest. But overall. I don't think there's a ton of time we need to spend on breaking down this contest and going through what looked good, what looked it, what didn't look good, what what was good, what was bad, what struggled. Because frankly, Wisconsin was just completely better than them in, in all phases of the game. There was times where New Mexico State, I almost frankly felt bad for their offense and their quarterbacks with how ahead of everything Wisconsin defenses was, which is what you're supposed to do against an inferior opponent. I like that Wisconsin didn't let them hang around. I like despite a man who bet the under because I didn't think New Mexico State would score and I thought Wisconsin would maybe put their, or take their foot off the gas. Um, I like that Wisconsin put it away early from the jump and I think while it speaks to how dominant Wisconsin football can be in that contest against these type of opponents, it also speaks to the fact that this team, frankly, is, you know, New Mexico State was just not a very good football team and they've got a lot of work to do. And somehow, in their Week 4 contest, they're laying um, as a favorite against Hawaii by uh, three points. But that's a a separate conversation. So today, while we'll talk about the game a little bit, I want to focus in on, as we kind of turn the page of the non-conference over to the conference play with Ohio State, which of course will have a full Ohio State preview episode later this week. But today, I want to focus in on the positive and negative takeaways from the... uh, from the non-conference. So what kind of stood out through three games is kind of that test baseline of what the season is going to go. I think it's a good place to kind of stop and reset. Similar to a bye week where we can say, okay, now we're transitioning over from non-conference to conference play. What stood out in these three games? What needs to improve as you move into conference play? Because frankly, the, the Washington State loss still stings. It hurts your, you know, likely unless you run the table, any sort of national championship playoff aspirations. I don't think this team, frankly, had that. But as a fan, that first loss really puts you in a hamper no matter what team you are. But everything that they want to do is still very much in front of them in terms of the Big Ten West, getting to the Big Ten Championship, winning that game, being in a New Year's Six Bowl. That is all still very much on the table. But it starts here where you've got to start taking care of business. Now these ones all count the same for everyone in the West. And Wisconsin, that you know, frankly, doesn't have a conference loss, which is... Huge for them as they get going, but they're going to have a very tough test this weekend against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So we'll get into everything there 
um, on, on our later show in terms of Ohio State. But today we're going to just kind of close the book on the non-conference play and we'll talk about everything that. So we'll do that in just a little bit. Before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about some about some happenings from this past weekend. So as I said, we'll go into a little bit of the football game, but first I want to talk about the Wisconsin Volleyball a little bit. A really special event this past weekend um, with their contest against Florida. The Badgers came in ranked fourth, while Florida came in ranked 16th, and they played this contest at the Kohl Center. And the reason for that was A, to allow a lot of fans to come and see the contest, B, also to break an NCAA regular season attendance record with 16,833 fans in the building to watch the Badgers take on the Gators. That is an insane number for a volleyball game, and it's great to see that this team is attention and passion from the fans that they deserve because this team has been such a fun program to follow the last few years. Beyond that, Kelly Sheffield's tenure has done an incredible job. They've had so many great teams, of course, with the peak moment last year with the national championship, of course, but to see that many fans, not only there just to break an attendance record or be a part of something, but from the sounds, uh, my, my parents were in attendance. I've had friends that went to the game. Some of our writers, Jake, uh, was, was at the game as well. Plenty of, of people that I knew were there. It's a, it sounded like the crowd was very much engaged in the contest and not just there to you know be a part of something, the big event but there to watch and understand and cheer for this volleyball team. So it, I think this is the, you know, the most passionate fan base in terms of a, a volleyball you know, school. Um, I, I think this is really, frankly, is, is the definition of volleyball school and, and one of their most successful programs. So it's nice to see them getting that credit that they deserve and the fans and the atmosphere. I know Jake said that he was going to have a write-up in regards to what it was all like to be there because – for the first time ever playing the Kohl Center, just such a unique thing for the fans, the players, everybody in attendance seemed like they had a, a really great time there. It is unfortunate they lost, but it, it clearly it clear, it seemed like Florida, um, who looked like a very good volleyball team themselves, kind of fed off that big energy as well. But either way, regardless of the result, a very cool experience for Wisconsin volleyball in their contest this past weekend. And of course, on Sunday, the Badgers did bounce back with a victory over Rhode Island. And if you're looking to see Wisconsin volleyball in action this upcoming week, they take on the Northwestern Wildcats at the Fieldhouse on Friday evening before traveling to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers in Minneapolis on Sunday. Switching over to the game now, like I said, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this contest because Wisconsin was clearly better in every facet of the contest. And not a ton of huge takeaways, like I said in the beginning of the show. Overall, a very dominating win for the Badgers. You expected them to come in, feel very hungry to to come out and prove themselves and just kind of take their frustrations out on an inferior opponent, and the Badgers certainly did that. A 66-7 route, you know, the entire depth chart kind of got in there to, to play a little bit of this game, which was really nice to see. We got to see some young guys, which is another big takeaway, but overall, the run game got back to where they want to be in terms of the offensive line. I think you know they just they they got a push. You could clearly tell that they were frustrated. Came out and kind of took those frustrations out on the opponent. I thought they looked solid. Once again, though, I, I think the storyline, and we'll get into it in the positives, is this passing game looked really good. Graham Mertz has looked incredibly efficient. Yes, it's it's great to see the running backs getting into a rhythm. Chesm Lucy played better. Braylon Allen got back to running his ways. We've talked about the last couple of weeks. Braylon Allen kind of been hesitant to the hole. The holes that were, were there for him this past week, and they, they, they he really hit them 
um, and, and had a nice solid game for him. I think got his confidence going a little bit. Certainly a kid that doesn't lack any sort of confidence, but get him to, to really run downhill the way he did was nice to see. I think the other thing in the run game that you really were kind of not surprised by, I, the potential's always been there with Isaac Arendo, but he looks like he could possibly be working into the Badgers' second running back role. Frankly, I think he needs more touches in this offense right now. Ches Malusi got a pretty good gap on him in terms of carries, but I, I think you could certainly see as you go down uh, with this team a little bit longer um, and as the season progresses, if he's staying healthy, that those carries might even up between the two of them. I mean, right now, Isaac Rendo, just 17 attempts on the ground um, versus Ches Malusi, 35. So double that in, in terms of what he's getting in terms of touches. And I think that likely needs to be a little bit more even compared to the two. I mean, Braylon Allen's certainly going to be your guy who's, who's leading the way. He's got 50 attempts. But if you're, if you're taking those first three games and, you, you know, you, let's say you ran it 100 times, I think if you're giving Braylon Allen 50 of those carries, I think you might want to see a closer split between 25 between Malusi and Isaac Rendo. And that's not a knock on, on Ches Malusi, but Isaac Rendo averaging 5.4 yards per carry looks to be a little bit more explosive. Um, you know, in his runs, you know, he's really a guy that is got gives you something a little different. He's been really good in the return game. He's kind of maybe been the the one positive of the special teams in that regard in terms of kick returns. So I think that's another positive takeaway that you could get from this game. And he always, like I said, you knew the potential was there for him. It's just a matter of of seeing it consistently on the field. So uh, that's a, a really nice spot for him in this previous game. Otherwise, offensively, once again, everything kind of clicked. Uh, Graham Mertz looked good. The receiving core was, was getting open all day and, and, and some really big plays. Um, from Skyler Bell, Keontas Lewis, once again, looks like a really positive in the wide-out room. He was kind of a wild card you know, coming in from UCLA, a highly recruited guy to go to UCLA from the state of Missouri, but you hadn't really seen a ton of him on the field, so it's nice to see that he's you know, getting opportunities and, and shining with those opportunities. And he's really looked like a bright spot, has a clear connection with Graham Mertz in this offense. So overall, I, I was really impressed with the offense. They got some things right. They got confident. And then they got the starters out, which is in our last week kind of preview episode. That's what we talked about. Get in, get out. And, and Wisconsin certainly did that. Deacon Hill was able to work in at quarterback, as was uh, Miles Burkett, who was another one of those positives. And you talk about young guys that got in and got some experience to see. He looks like a guy that is really going to be hopefully something special as he continues to mature. We'll see how much we see from him the rest of the season. Now, as you get into Big Ten play, you're likely not going to have any 66-7 routes in any of those contests. But certainly it was nice to see him progress. The, the question will be, he's been worked into a couple games now, how does his uh, red shirt numbers kind of fare? Do they try and protect that under that four-game minimum and, and just go with Deacon Hill if they can? Or does do they burn that red shirt season and maybe if, maybe he can red shirt you know, next year? But he's probably going to be your clear backup next season. If you, if you look at the way he's progressed so far and the limited amounts we've seen him, um, he's likely your number two guy unless Chase Wolf comes back and is healthy. He could certainly you know, explore the transfer portal. So that'll be a interesting off-season question to, to kind of look at, but certainly far away from that right now. But overall, I thought he looked really solid in, you know, four or five for 84 yards. That's a pretty solid day. And in a limited role, Deacon Hill, you know, they didn't they didn't give him a pass attempt. He was just kind of a turn and hand it off guy versus Miles Burkett. They, they let him air it out a little bit. So I, I think that was nice to, to really see for him in the passing game. 
as I mentioned, receivers look good. Skylar Bell had a huge day, 108 yards, two touchdowns, really positive things from him emerging along with Keontas Lewis. Even the tight end rooms, Hayden Rucci and uh, Clay Condiff have looked really solid so far. So I've been completely impressed with uh, this passing game through three marks of three games of the season, and we'll certainly dive into them a little bit more in, uh, in the positives for the back half of this episode. Overall, in terms of the defense, again, as I said, the defense looked like they were a complete step ahead of New Mexico State on, on nearly every play. All of them were in the right position, shutting almost everything down. Uh, of course, you had some, some nice plays from Muma and Jung Mehta with that interception. You had guys, you know, C.J. Getz was all over the field in terms of tackles. Daryl Peterson had a nice game there in terms of tackles as well. So uh, nothing to really break down in terms of the defense. They were just dominant in every facet at every level. And you saw just how good this defense can be against an inferior opponent. So I was really impressed with that group overall. And that's really, I think, all you need to take from this game. They played a opponent that wasn't very good. They came out, they dominated they got their guys out. They got some young guys in to get experience, which is great for them. But overall, it felt like a game that Wisconsin took care of business and is moving on and turning the page um, away from the non-conference and into their conference slate. I will go ahead and get into the positives and negatives of the non-conference. Before I do that, I want to get a couple quick ad reads out of the way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Go ahead and get into our positives and negatives from the non-conference slate. When we talk about it, we'll start with the positives, I suppose, um, and we'll end with the negatives as it looks like something Wisconsin tries to clean up. And when you start with the positive, I think the first thing that you take from these three games has to be the play of Graham Mertz and his efficiency at the quarterback position. He has played incredibly well for three straight games, and for anyone who's knocked him over the course of career, you're right to do so. He has had many moments in his career where he has played poorly, but on the flip side of that, you have to give a player dues when they play well, and he's played incredibly well for Wisconsin. And frankly, he's been the best player on the team for the first three contests here. Uh, Once again, this past Saturday, another very efficient day. Did have the interception, which wasn't great, but... The first one of the season, six touchdowns, one interception. That's a ratio you'll take, especially when you look at last year. Those first three games for him was not something that you ever expected that ratio to come out from him. So that part is really not something I'm going to worry about too much in in terms of his play. just wasn't a great throw, but at the same time, he's made enough good throws this season to kind of get a pass on that one overall. So I think he's been... The, the best part of this offense, uh, excuse me, 
six touchdowns, two interceptions. He had the one against Washington State that was tipped as well. Uh, but overall, he's been really solid in the three games that he's played. 700, nearly 700 yards, a long of 74. So he's pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, averaging 230 yards a game. I think the most important thing is, you know, yeah, yardage-wise, 230 yards is about what you expect from a Wisconsin quarterback. If they have an efficient offense going, the run is still going to be the focal point. But if you can have a quarterback that takes care of the football and throws for 200 to 240 yards a game, you're in a really solid spot. So I think he's looked really good. But I think even beyond that, what's been most important to see from him is his completion percentage of nearly 71%, 70.97 for him so far this season, which is not something you saw last year. And we talked about it you know, with Rowan early in the season in terms of our offensive preview and over under of completion percentage, we were putting that mark at you know maybe 60%, maybe 61, which would be a solid year. for So for him to be coming out completing 70% of his passes is is really nice to see. Now, of course, you can look at it and say, yes, he's played two, two of his games against an FCS opponent and, frankly, a... Sorry, I keep saying frankly a lot in this episode. Um, but he's played against a, a very poor FBS team and an FCS team. Um, I think, yes, you can take that and, and certainly apply that to this conversation there has been times where he's played better against lesser opponents and he's got to prove it against the likes of Ohio State's conference play. But going back to that Washington State game, he did have the interception, which was a tip ball, which kind of, you know, you kind of have to throw it out because you don't know where that throw would have gone had it not been tipped. But he was the best player on the field for Wisconsin in that contest as well. And that defense, while Washington State at the time coming in, you didn't really know much about them. They were projected to be a middle-of-the-pack Pac-12 team. That defense is, is honestly looked really good throughout the course of their first three games as well. Now, they played a Colorado State team this past weekend that's absolutely horrendous on the offensive side of the ball. But I think that Washington State team could be better than a lot of people expected come season's end, and, and head coach Jake Dickert's got that defense. You know, if you look at some advanced stats like I do for the gambling side of things, they're they're up there in terms of havoc and, and defensive success rate and all things that are really important that show you a, a really solid unit. Washington State has been a part of that um, throughout the course of these th- first three weeks and is ranking in a lot of those statistical categories. So I think we might look back and say that Washington State is a little bit better of a defense and a better of a team than what we originally thought, and Graham Mertz was still able to play well against them. So overall, I think in terms of the number one positive from the non-conference heading into the conference season is the play of Graham Mertz, how efficient he's been, how well he's thrown the ball, how he's pushed on the field. Just overall how he's approached the quarterback room has been night and day compared to what we saw, especially early in the last, you know, even later in the season. You know, when they were winning the, the games last year over the course of the winning streak, it was because of Braylon Allen and him turning it handed off. Merge was maybe throwing the ball. There was games where he threw it only you know, nine, ten times a game, and they came out and won with their defense in their run game. So to have that element in there and have him ranking as one of the top quarterbacks in terms of you know QBR and efficiency ratings is really great to see from a guy that's taken a lot of flack over the course of his career. In terms of the second positive from this team, I think the next side, next thing you got to go to is the defensive side of the ball. And specifically, the Wisconsin looks short up in some questionable areas that we had in the preseason. Specifically, you look at it, this team was a little bit questionable at middle linebacker. You had some questions about the secondary and how they would mesh. But overall, those 
so those those positions seem to have found pretty good solutions. I think the secondary, while they had some growing pains in the first couple of weeks, it seems like they've gotten a lot better over the course of these last two weeks, and will certainly get their biggest test of the season um, against Ohio State. But overall, I think they've looked a lot better from where they were early on the season and throughout these three games, gotten better. And again, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but overall, you have you have three data points to work on. Doesn't matter the opponent. I think the secondary has looked better. But I think even more specifically, inside linebacker was a spot that we were really kind of unsure about coming into this season. It seemed like to me that it was going to be uh, Jordan Turner and Tatum Grass. And all of a sudden, Muma Njong Mehta, who I thought was maybe going to be a rotation guy, fourth middle linebacker, comes out and proven that many people who thought that were incorrect and that he's, I think, him and Turner have been really solid for both, you know, on the inside. But Muma Njong Mehta has been incredibly impressive uh, for me, a guy that I think when he looked at the depth chart was not someone I saw playing as well he did as he did but you can see why he earned that starting spot and Jordan Turner has been just as solid for them in the inside which is huge because Wisconsin's inside linebackers do so much for this team you know you expected Nick Herbig to have a solid year you expect Keanu Benton to be better you need someone outside of, of Herbig in CJ Getz to be good and then in the run game you need those inside linebackers to be the guys there taking on tackles and they've done that, but for Muma and Jagmena, you know, he had a nice interception as well. I think both of those guys have looked really solid, and they'll get a bigger test this week. But so far, that group has been really, really good and, and answered some of the questions that you know you had about this defense. You, everyone in the offseason, the media always talked about, you know, only two, three returning starters for Wisconsin, so much to replace. So far, it seems like the, the guys that have gotten those opportunities have stepped up and taken them on, and I'm excited to see what this defense can continue to do throughout the course of the season. Because we all expected them to be good, but we, we thought there were some questionable positions, and so far those positions seem to have answers, and that's huge for this defense to be not just a good top 25 defense, but if those guys continue to play the way they are, this defense should be a top 10, top 5 unit over the course of the entire uh, rest of the regular season. Positive. I think you've got to look to the tight end room and the receiving court. Uh, both of those kind of combined. That was the huge question mark coming into this season was who was going to catch the ball for Wisconsin. And on the other end of that, Graham Mertz being you know the number one positive. I think this group deserves to be you know uh, another top three positive here as well because this group has looked incredibly explosive. They've been able to push the, push it deep with some guys like Keontes Lewis, Chimray DK. But they've also been able to you know, use some underneath routes with the likes of Skylar Bell, who just came off a huge game. Marcus Allen, there's been times where his numbers could be even better. Um, he's had a couple balls that have hit him in the hands that just haven't been brought in. So I think this receiving core, and, and it's part due to the offense looking better in terms of the passing game, the play calling, at least in the passing side of things, I think has been better. I think the flow of the game still needs work in the play calling, but I, I think in terms of the plays itself the passing game looks a little bit more modernized and these receivers are reaping the benefits of that but they are also looking better than what they have in years past now Graham Mertz has played a lot better which has made them better but I think on the other side you know you're looking at wide receivers right now for Wisconsin that are I think are better at where they at are right now in their career compared to what we've had the last few years and kind of that same equal point because Danny Davis had a really good freshman year but kind of fell off beyond that. 
Kendrick Pryor had some up and down moments. I think these guys, in terms of just what you see from them, in terms of their physical tools and their ability to get open, they seem like a group that could really blossom into something special and continue to have those solid years throughout their career, which is what you need for Wisconsin uh, to really move forward with this new offense. So in terms of a positive, I think that group has, has really answered the what's demanded of them, answered the questions that so many people had, and I think has a, a really good potential to continue to do more um, in this passing game. And, and that goes for the tight ends as well. You, you had to find someone that would replace Jake Ferguson. Clay Cundiff's been that guy. Hayden Rucci is a guy that we saw as maybe an extension of the O-line, maybe a blocker, not really a guy that comes out and, and catch passes, but he's been doing that quite a bit. He's had some receptions. He's looked good. He's improved that side of his game, which was kind of, I don't want to say a knock on him, but that was kind of his weak point in the tight end room last year was that he was just a blocker. He, he didn't have that other element to him, but you need to be a guy that can do both because the defense, when they see a guy that's only a run blocker out there, can kind of try to figure out you know where they're going it's likely going to be a run whereas if you're you have that double facet in your game he can be a guy that is is really a nice weapon for wisconsin in terms of being that extension of the offensive line but also able to chip and and work out into the the flats as a pass catcher so i think overall the targets you know between the two rooms has looked really solid and given wisconsin a nice boost in this offense and and should rank as one of your top three positives um, from the non-conference slate Getting into the negatives now, I think when you look at the negatives, the number one negative that you have so far in this non-conference slate as you move into conference play is that the offensive line has not, I'll say, meshed yet. And part of that is because there has been a little bit of rotation at offensive line. Riley Mallman, Logan Brown at the tackle positions, they've had guys moving around. They haven't had a set five quite yet, which I think Bob Bosen wants to do. You know, In previous years, Joe Rudolph would move guys around. You know, he wanted all of his guys to be able to play all five positions, and they wanted to be able to move guys to where they felt best. Bob Bosa doesn't seem like he's wanting to do that. I think he wants a unit that is going to, these are my five, these are my five I'm going to go with, these are the positions I want them in, and, and we're going to roll. And they haven't necessarily been able to do that, and I think that's part of the meshing that we haven't seen. You you want to be able to play the, the five guys that he feels the most confident in, and so far, I mean, Logan Brown has been all right, but I, I think they feel better with Riley Mallman at the right tackle position. He hasn't been able to be out there. So that's one negative. Again, I'll come back to it. I think this Washington State, you know, that was the game that they really looked exposed and, and not up to snuff of a Wisconsin football offensive line. But again, I, I think as I kind of revisit that game a couple weeks later and have seen another data point on that Washington State defense, I think that group is pretty solid in their front Certainly a smaller front that Wisconsin should, in years past, you would look at and say, hey, Wisconsin should be able to lead on these guys and really get a push. They didn't, but that I'm taking it with a little bit more grain of salt because I think this Washington State defense is better um, and, and certainly not a pass that you can give the, the offensive line, but that could be a part of it. And we'll have to see, you know, that's just one answer that your one question that has not found an answer um, quite yet this season. But I think that is certainly a a negative at the at this point when you talk about this team is that the offensive line has not gotten going to where they want to go just yet. They haven't been poor in all three contests by any means, but the one glaring contest that loss uh, certainly makes a lot of people a little bit nervous about this offensive line, but they can you know silence a lot of the doubters and, and be better um, against Ohio State this upcoming weekend. The second negative 
for me with this team is once again the special teams unit throughout the course of the season. Uh, these three games, they have not looked pretty at all, which isn't a surprise. You know, in our special teams preview episode, I thought it would be a unit that was you know bad once again, um, and and so far it's it's been the same Wisconsin special teams that it has been for years. Pretty pretty poor outside of. Andy Vujinovich has hit some good punts, and, and he's been he's the one solid piece you expected. I will you got to give Isaac Rendo credit; he's been good in the kick return game. Those really weren't the areas that I was all that concerned about. It was the field goal kicking, the punt return um, aspect, and and just the the overall special teams unit kind of having a step forward and avoiding mistakes. And the kick coverage hasn't done that. Um, so overall, the special teams just is not something that I feel very comfortable about. And now, you know, you've played three games, two of them against inferior opponents, and you've played them all at home. Now you have to go to the number, you know, I don't know, I don't know what rankings you pay attention to. I think this is the, Ohio State is the second best team in the country. I think George is by far and away the best team in the country right now. Alabama and Ohio State are kind of 1A, 1B. But now you're going up against what's a top three team in the country, um, especially uh, lethal offensively, where you cannot afford to make mistakes in that area of the game. And you're also going on the road where if you, you have to, if you have to settle for a field goal, do you feel comfortable with that field goal unit? I would say right now, Wisconsin doesn't. So that's going to be an aspect to watch. And I think a negative for this team so far, because you wanted to get through these three weeks to focus in on the kicking, I think you wanted to use this non-conference slate. Of course, Vito Caruso was banged up in the preseason, banged up you know throughout um, you know fall camp, so he didn't get a lot of opportunities. So you wanted for these three weeks to hopefully survive. And unfortunately, they didn't against Washington State, but survive and figure out your kicking game so that when you went on the road in week four, you felt like you had an answer in that room. And I think right now it, there's more questions than answers with the special teams. Do they feel comfortable kicking a field goal? When they get to fourth and short from the 35-yard line, are they going to run that unit out there? Are they going to go for it? I don't think this team and the staff knows right now, and that's concerning when you're going up against such a dominating opponent, especially on the offensive side, where if you give them missed field goals, if you give them the ball back, and you have to have a, a perfect defensive game, that puts a lot of strain on, on the other units of your team. So I think that's kind of the negative to watch for you know, punt return, hopefully they can avoid mistakes. I mean, Dean Ingram was better this past week. Washington State was, you know, they had the one. I thought it hit someone, and then he tried to field it. So that group has not been overly impressive. Kick return, of course, the kick coverage unit kind of flipped the momentum in that Washington State game. Uh, coming out of the half was was really poor. And, and again, you, you can't have those mistakes against a team like Ohio State because the team speed that this Buckeye team has is, is faster than probably any team in the country in terms of pure athletic raw speed that you can use. Ohio State likely is is the best team in that regard with the wide receiver group that they have, with the running back group they have, and even their secondary guys can, can really run. So if you're not buttoned up in that area is gonna be a, a concern here, but overall that's the second negative for me throughout the course of this non-conference. Moving into the third one, not, I, I think I think this one was maybe a little bit nitpicky, but certainly what stood out in that second game in terms of a negative has been the penalties. Um, I think that is something you have to look at and say that is a, that is a facet of the game that Wisconsin has not done well throughout the course of these three games, and that lost them one of the games. You look at the, the offensive numbers of that Washington State game, 
they bar you know by far and away you know blew Washington State out of the water in terms of offensive yards. But if you subtract 110 of that in penalties, that really puts you at a hamper and a disadvantage there. So that has to be better. They played a much more cleaner game uh, against New Mexico State. But again, you can't have you know drive killers like a 15-yard penalty uh, against a team like Ohio State because that Buckeye defense has looked a little shaky at times, but overall has been a lot better than where they were at this point last year. So you don't want to give them you know, any sort of you know bailouts in terms of killing a drive. So that part is going to have to be a little bit better. And then after that, I think that kind of leads into the coaching staff. Just not being fully you know, prepared and cleaned up for these first three games has been apparent, and more so in that Washington State game. I also think in terms of coaching staff, the play calling, the decision making has, has lacked a little bit. I think, the, as I said earlier in the passing game portion, I do think the passing game has looked better when they've done it, but I think the flow of the play calling has been a little lacking. And I hate to just harp on that Washington State game, but that's where a lot of these concerns started to pop up because you're playing a, a much better opponent. And I think this offense, in terms of the flow of the play calling, wasn't necessarily there. You know, you, you came out in the first half and threw the ball and, and pushed it down the field, and then the second half you clammed up and went to just, we're gonna run to the left side, you know, on our garden tackle and, and, and try and pick up the, the three yards in a cloud of dust offense. So finding an offense that kind of meshes a little better, better flows a little better would be nice to see. And then to, to wrap it up in terms of a negative, you've got to look at, you know, some of the, the coaching, you know, fourth and fourth and short to go for it, rather not go for it. I think you, you know, Paul Chris in that Washington State game made the right decision to go for it that he still sees it as a negative. So kind of the coaching staff maybe being stuck in their ways a little bit into how this team could mesh is, is certainly something to note. But, you know, you and I are not football coaches, but to us, you know, the, the outside perspective, it seems like that's still something that might cause some grievances for Wisconsin. So I think there certainly has been more positives than negatives right now in terms of this team throughout the first three games. But for the positives, can you keep those going? We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully all those keep going the same because that really could change the dynamic of this team. And in the negatives, can you get better on those to really help improve your team? Because if you can take some, you know, a couple of these negatives and clean it up, you know, if the offensive line can become a, a more of a positive and even the special teams and penalties can become just a neutral where you're not, you know, having blunders that hurts you, that could really, you know, help this team moving forward into conference play. Because those are things that you have to have cleaned up have to have buttoned up to get to a, a place like Indianapolis and, and to compete for Big Ten championships. Those, they need to be buttoned up on all three phases of the game. And so far, they haven't had that at all the levels. So I do think more positives than negatives, but certainly something to keep an eye on throughout the course of the rest of this season. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode for me. Hopefully you enjoyed kind of a little bit different um, you know, in terms of style for this New Mexico State recap, but I didn't want to just say, you know, get in here and say, oh, the Badgers dominated against New Mexico State. This is what we saw, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. Really not that interesting to talk about because it's just, it was an exciting game, but not a lot to take from it and, and really probably not that interesting to listen to the same sort of game recap that you see throughout uh, you know, Wisconsin football media. Not a knock on anyone, but that's just kind of, everyone kind of talks about the same thing when you have a, a recap episode, so. I hope hopefully you guys enjoyed that. 
As I mentioned in the earlier part of the show, we'll have a full Ohio State preview out later this week, likely on Wednesday or evening or Thursday uh, morning to talk all things Buckeyes, give our usual game preview of the what should be really exciting contest on ABC Wisconsin at Ohio State. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.